0: The following program was recorded Wednesday, April 29, 2009.
1: ReachMD XM-160 now presents Second Opinion Live with hosts, Drs. Larry Caskell and Michael Greenberg.
0: Welcome to Second Opinion Live on ReachMD Radio, XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell. And I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg,
2: and this program's a little different from others on ReachMD in that there are two hosts, and we're really live. This is not
0: taped. You know, normally on the show here, we give you a chance to be heard and to share your thoughts on key topics that are going on in the world of medicine, but today I think it's really timely and prudent to really... Key in on what's, uh, you know, the most important health story of the week, and that's swine flu. That's
2: right. As everybody knows who's listening here, it's been all over the news in the past several days, and it's something we're, we've been keeping a close eye on. Because we've been getting calls from patients worried they may have the symptoms. Well, not me. I'm a dermatologist. But they may be at risk, and they have questions. So today, we'll do what we can to sort through the issues. And we're going to do this with the help of a guest expert, Dr. Joan Nichols from the Galveston National Biocontainment Laboratory in Texas, our nation's first and only national biocontainment facility. I'm, I'm
0: glad we have one of those. I'm glad and, I can uh, say that. I have a lot of questions for uh, the good doctor right off the bat. Um, you know, Europe has enacted some travel restrictions on people going to Mexico. So, should we, the United States, uh, obviously we're the we're the neighbor of Mexico, should we be? having even stronger measures, and then, uh, you know, I've heard that a vaccine might not be ready for a few months, and should we stockpile vaccines? Should we be stockpiling Tamiflu? we got a ton of questions to ask. Sure,
2: this, and normally doctor. we start Second Opinion Live with a few other segments. Some of them even are funny, but this is a serious show today because before we get to any calls, um, we're going to get straight into the story that we're all hearing about.
0: All right, so let's, let's cut right to the chase, get to the focus of the show, swine flu, As many of you know, seven countries have confirmed cases of swine flu since the outbreak began in Mexico. Here in the United States, more than 90 cases have been confirmed across 10 states, according to the CDC, and the numbers are obviously updating rapidly, and more than half of these cases have been in New York. Texas and California are also reporting an uptick in cases over the last 24 hours, and this morning we've had the first reported human fatality in the United States. This was a a young child of Mexican descent who came to the United States on a visit with his family.
2: So I I don't know why Mexico, and that's what we're going to ask our guest today. Our guest today, as I said, is Dr. Joan Nichols. Dr. Nichols is the Associate Director of of Research for the Galveston National Biocontainment Laboratory. It's the only national biocontainment facility in the United States at this time. It's based in Galveston, Texas. Dr. Nichols is also an associate professor in the Departments of Internal Medicine and Microbiology and Immunology at the University of Texas Medical Branch at Galveston. So welcome to the show, Dr. Nichols. Hi.
1: Hi.
0: Hi, Dr. Nichols. Larry Kaskill here. Thank and you Michael very much. Michael Greenberg. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. Um, I guess my first question to you is: I, I right before we went on the air, I got an email uh, on my iPhone saying that the uh, WHO has raised the pandemic alert to level five.
1: They have so, raised the alert level. So, yes. what does
0: that mean? Is five you know is higher better? Is higher lower? What is, what's five? And then what what does it take to get to six?
1: Okay, well, let's start with what four was. Okay. Four is small clusters of outbreaks with limited human to human transmission, and spread is very localized. Um, But it suggests that the virus, because of the human-to-human hu- human transmission, is, you know, there's just some transmission, but not a lot of it going on. Okay. Okay, and that's what we've seen so smart with small localized outbreaks, people that had traveled to Mexico on spring break or on school trips like the kids from New York. Um, that came home with the, with the virus and had mild um, symptomology, but it was very small clusters of people.
0: All right, so then, then we move to level five. Level
1: five is larger clusters of people, human-to-human spread is still kind of localized. Some cases from the people that went to Mexico and came back, that transferred it, transmitted it to people that they came in contact with, their family members. Um, the virus is probably getting a little bit better uh, adapted to humans, um, but we're not, um, may not be to the point where we're transmitting it really easily. And though there's a substantial pandemic risk, we're not really at that stage. It's how, still fairly local. How high do
2: we go in numbers before we get scared?
1: Uh, next number is phase six, which is pandemic phase, where you have increased and sustained transmission in, in the general population.
2: Let me ask you a question. One question. We're, we're at the end of flu season here in the United States. How many people were sick and may have had this that, that weren't really identified as having swine flu that just got well and were written off as having the flu?
1: That's the hard part. We may never know unless we go back and do serology for this particular strain to actually decide who had seasonal flu and who had this new strain as it emerged um, because the symptoms are the same for flu. They're flu-like symptoms, aches, fever, cough, um, all of the respiratory components that you'd normally expect from flu. It was, it was fairly well hidden in our normal seasonal flu outbreak.
0: Dr. Nichols, is there anything unique about this flu that, as a practitioner, I can have a higher index of suspicion?
1: Well, this flu is a little bit different. Um, It's special because it's very new. It um, came as a reassortant. That means uh, it came from pigs. But in this case, pigs are very special in that they can sustain infection from mammalian viruses, human viruses, as well as bird or avian viruses. And so this mixture, this specific strain that came out, is part pig, part swine, part avian, part human.
0: See, Larry, I told you it pays to be kosher. Okay. <laughs> and then any idea why, why things have been so bad in, in Mexico, why the virus has been more fatal there than here, or is that just because
1: of reporting bias? There are a lot of possibilities. The first one is is confirmation of cases. We had initial reports of flu-like symptoms A lot of people with flu-like symptoms and a lot of deaths. But they may not have been due to this particular strain. They may have been due to other infections, bacterial pneumonias. We really need to figure out were the deaths related to this strain of virus or not. So that's the first thing. Maybe reporting was not good at the beginning. The next part is it's possible as this virus emerged that it was a little bit more virulent as it first passed from pigs into people. And as it moved through our population, it changed a little bit to get better in transmitting from person to person. It may have lost some of that virulence.
2: Kind of like syphilis did initially back in the Middle Ages. A
1: lot like what syphilis did in terms of how it changed. Um, And the last part is the possibility that We're now fairly educated about looking for specific symptomology, um, diarrhea, nausea that is not usual for the flu, that the people then might have just said, oh, I have the flu, I'm achy, I have a really high fever, I'm going to curl up and put a pillow over my head, and I'll be better in a few days. And they didn't get better in a few days, and by then it was too late to do very much for them.
0: So how how many people usually in a flu season get flu, and how many people would be expected to die from a, a general flu outbreak?
1: Oh, the get flu is really hard. Can I say lots of people, sure. the majority of people, we'll unless you're protected that. by vaccine. Mm-hmm. Deaths, though, in terms of what we would see in our population, maybe twenty to 30,000 in a non-pandemic year, higher in years that may be pandemics, just because you not only have a virus that's new and transmits well, but it's also fairly virulent, and in pandemic years we can have much higher numbers than that.
0: And do you think that uh, our, our um, society currently is um, reacting too much right now and, and freaking out too much? I mean, is there, is there anything to make us think that this is any worse than a regular flu? Um, or like the avian flu when it came well, I,
1: well, no. Well, there are some differences. The avian flu transmitted from birds to people was extremely virulent, caused severe disease, extensive primary viral pneumonias in people, and, um, and the people tended to die from respiratory um, um, distress syndrome, okay, and so they really could not breathe because their lungs were whited out and they really, you know, couldn't function. So that's the that's consideration for avian flus being very virulent. In this case, um, it's hard to say because we do expect some deaths with the flu, our um, seasonal influenza, I told you between 20 to 30,000 a year, and the very young or the very old, are people with underlying health problems. That's where we usually see it. And so far, if we exclude Mexico, the symptomology has been fairly mild, um, and that having an occasional person that did die of it that had a more severe um, disease is possible. So it may end up being very much like what we, we see for seasonal flu. All right.
2: Can I get us practical here for a second? We've yeah. got an audience full of uh, general practitioners. And what do we do? I mean, should we be stocking up on Tamiflu? Should we be buying it ourselves? Should we keep washing our hands? What do we tell our and, our listeners? And does okay. the, tam- and does does the, the Tamiflu, Tamiflu work for exactly. this? Exactly. Well,
1: okay. Let me start. Well, let me start with what you can do to stay healthy. Okay. Um, and this is kind of really, I'm sorry, guys. I know you're clinicians, and I'm going to say some things that, in terms of treatment. We'll hold that off a minute. But the big deal is cover your nose and mouth with a tissue when you cough or sneeze. That takes the virus and puts it in a place that you can control and you throw it away. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands with soap and water or some of those alcohol-based cleansers, but I prefer soap myself because that really destroys the virus very well. Avoid touching your eyes and nose or mouth because part of the way this virus, um, that you catch it is either through aerosolization in the air or through contact, through a little bit larger droplets on things that somebody touched and then you picked up and then you, you touched your face or your eyes or put your fingers near your nose for whatever reason and you transmit it to you, Okay. And so, and avoid people that um, you know are sick. Don't go visit your friends if they're sick. Leave the chicken soup outside. Check on them and make sure they're doing okay. but try to avoid that. And if you're sick, stay home. Hmm. So those are the ways to really contain the infection, okay?
0: Okay? Now
1: let's go to, to clinical treatments. Some of the drugs that would normally um, we would use to treat ones are not the common ones that we work with, but a couple of them this vir- um, this new strain is resistant to. Good news is. Things like Tamiflu and Relenza work very well against it. Now, should you stockpile it? I don't see any reason to go and stockpile it because if we move to a real pandemic, the United States has been stockpiling for a very long time. We have tons of it because of the avian influenza and the worry that we were going to get a pandemic. I still have have mine
2: at home from the avian flu. It's still good. Okay, well,
1: see, you already stockpiled. You have it. And if it's still good, yes, if you needed it, you could use it. But the nice thing about those drugs is they are what are called neuraminidase inhibitors, okay? And they inhibit an enzyme that's on the virus that the virus uses when when you make a new particle to cleave that new particle away from the cell that made it so it can be free and go out in the world and infect either another cell or somebody else if you cough or sneeze. And so taking one of these neuraminidase inhibitors, Blocks the process of having you um, infect as many cells, and so makes your course of disease shorter. So you get a much more mild infection or more mild oh. clinical course. And we don't really know much about whether it limits, you know, transmission or not. There's some issues there, but at least it blocks how badly you feel and you and you get better. Okay. Faster.
2: So do you wait to get the actual diagnosis, or if you think you're getting the flu, do you start taking it?
0: And then, and
1: what
2: about
0: taking as a medical professional, just taking, uh, taking amantadine? It ahead of
1: time? Uh, now, no, amantadine is, is one of the ones that, that this virus is resistant to. And so um, so you don't want to take amantadine or amantadine. What you want to focus on in this case are, are the neuraminidase inhibitors, mm-hmm. and they will help. Should you take it prophylactically, that's hard because... Um, I, need, I need to
0: sneeze. Where should I sneeze? Yeah, not at me, no, not across the table. Sneeze into a
1: tissue that you throw away immediately and wash your hands. Okay, that answers that question. Should you should you be taking this prophylactically ahead of time to protect you? No, if you use good clinical practice and you wash your hands a lot. I do research with concentrated virus, and and we do use protective gloves and gowns the same way you would do if you you had a patient you were seeing. And I wash my hands a lot, and I've I've never infected myself. I knock on wood, and I probably hope I shouldn't have said that, but. Because I'm very careful and I follow the procedures. I'm also trained myself over the years to, if I cough or sneeze, I immediately cover my nose and I throw the tissue away and I don't touch my face a lot.
0: You know, before the show, uh, Michael was talking to me about whether or not those face masks work. And uh, are they of any value or is it just a psychological value?
1: How small is the pore size on those face masks? Um, That's the issue during the 1918 influenza pandemic. They issued um, cheesecloth to the police and uh, fire departments Mm -hmm. in at least New York City. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with that because I'm a native New Yorker, but in other areas. And if you know what cheesecloth is... It has a really big opening. It really doesn't stop very much. All
2: right. We almost have to stop you there, and thank you for joining us. Is there one one last thought? Hurry up. One second.
1: Okay. Um, As we realize that in terms of global emerging infectious diseases, that our world is a very small place, we really need to start understanding what can happen as we transmit these viruses and how quickly viruses like this particular strain of influenza can move from here to there at any given time.
2: Okay. Well we want to thank Dr. Joan Nichols for joining us as a special guest to give us this update on swine flu. More about Reach MD radio on XM one sixty. Visit our website at ReachMD.com. Thank you for joining us on ReachMD. And Larry, what do you want to say goodbye to the, the and Yeah,
0: thanks. thank you. Thank you, Dr. Nichols. And I just wanted to add just some perspective on, you know, the death numbers from flu in an average year in the United States. Thirty thousand people die from gunshots and forty thousand die on the road and so let's not all get into a uh, hysterical uproar yet and uh, you know this is this is a flu um this and, is what flu does and no kissing pigs. this is what flu does this yes, is what flu and, does and no kissing so wash your hands everybody thanks and, everybody uh, for listening thank you very much thank you Free CME on ReachMD is now easier. Link to ReachMD's free custom application for your iPhone at ReachMD.com.